I want you to open your Bibles this morning to a great passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 14. It is an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture. You know, I remember the first sermon that I ever preached 56 years ago. It was at um, a church in York, South Carolina. And I had never preached from a pulpit during a regular Sunday morning service. It was the first one. I was, uh, I think I was still 19. And I remember this was my text, Romans 1.16. And, and I never preached a sermon before, never had a class on it. I mean, you know, I mean, I just, uh, so I really studied, prepared, man, had my notes, you know, my mom and daddy were going to be there, all my cousins and aunts. That puts pressure on you. You know what I mean? It puts pressure on you. And I mean, I was fired up. And I thought, sure, it'll take me an hour. I finished in 15 minutes. <laughs> so I just preached it again. I just went back over it. I'm going to preach on this text, but I promise you it's not going to be 15 minutes, okay? You say, you don't understand why I eat an energy bar and drink Gatorade before I come and preach. How can I preach till 1215? If I don't have the energy, you understand? You're going to start hiding my energy bars, what you're going to do. But uh, I never will forget, I had the privilege one Sunday of preaching it for Charles Stanley at First Baptist Atlanta. Charles is 80 now. And um, before the service, we had two services. And uh, you, you don't want to preach there because everybody comes thinking Dr. Stanley's going to be there. And when you walk out, they say, oh. I mean, they were so disappointed that he wasn't there, but I couldn't help it. But you know, I, I didn't know this, but he had one of those big old energy drinks. That, and they said, Dr. Stanley drinks this before every service. I think it was a huge Red Bull. Lord, if I did that, I'd, I, I'd, I'd fall apart. But I drank it and I preached two hours. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But it, I did. He did. He drank an energy drink between every service. But that has nothing to do with this message. Let me pray. Father, I pray now that this truth will grip our hearts. And Lord, that you will just stir us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. I was walking through the house and this verse came to my mind. It was about Tuesday. But the verse, the, the, the word that really grabbed me, and we're going to get to this verse in a moment. I'm going to read this verse on the screen in a minute. The verse that really grabbed me was one word. When Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The words, not ashamed. Man, it gripped me. I got to thinking of being unashamed. I look up the word in the, in the dictionary. What does it mean to be unashamed? And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm unashamed of the gospel of of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now, back, back in verse uh, 14 of Romans 1, Paul said, I'm a debtor. And he was saying, listen, God, Jesus saved me on the road to Damascus. And when he saved me, then I became a debtor 
to everyone to let them hear the gospel. He said, I owe them a debt. He said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And then he said in verse 15, as much as in me is, I am ready, listen to this, to preach the gospel to those who are at Rome also. And then he comes up with verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. That was an understatement. If there was any human being that ever walked the face of this earth that was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was the apostle Paul. It cost him everything. Listen, I mean, everywhere he went, he, 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 he was unashamed of the gospel of Christ. On Mars Hill, they were worshiping the unknown God. He said, well, let me tell you who that is. And he began to preach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. You want to know what it cost Paul to be unashamed of the gospel? You'll find it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It'll be on the screen. Verses 23 through 27. I want you to list at this. Uh, all right, that's it right there. Are they ministering? Now, Paul's talking about that he's not ashamed of the gospel, okay? And then he said now, and there was some debate about his, about his, his credentials. As a, you know, he was an apostle, okay? He said, are they ministers of Christ? Talking about other preachers. I speak as a fool. I more. Now look at this. He said, this is what it was to be unashamed of the gospel. In labors, more abundant. Look at the next thing. In stripes, above measure. He said, they beat me so many times, I, I lost count. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. This is what it cost him to be unashamed of the gospel. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. They gave him 39. If they knew they hit him with 40, it would kill him. Five times he was beaten with stripes. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I have been in the deep. And he says, in journeys, in, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Let me tell you something. If anybody could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it was Paul. Because it cost him, I mean, he was on the run his entire life. He went where God told him to go. In fact, Look at the next verse on the screen. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He said, all of this because I was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 31, he tells us something. that One of the rulers was going to get, put him in jail. It says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. Everything I told you happened to me. In Damascus, the governor under Arteus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison. He had it surrounded by soldiers. Why? To arrest Paul. 
just one man, to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Now, this is the man that said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, Paul, if anybody wasn't ashamed, you weren't. You knew what it was going to cost you, but you never wavered. Now he was going to Rome where eventually they were going to cut his head off. But he said, I'm just glad to come to Rome. I want to preach the gospel to you because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word not ashamed means that there's a boldness. If you're not ashamed, you're bold. If you're not ashamed, you have confidence. If you're not ashamed, you have convictions. Now, let me just say this. Uh, in many countries, uh, if you're unashamed of the gospel, you constantly live in the peril for your life. I mean, in the militant Muslim countries, if you are openly preaching the gospel, seeking to convert anyone, including a Muslim, they'll take your life. In militant Hindu countries, they'll take the lives of Christians. They're constantly attacking Christian villages, burning their churches, burning. Why? Because they're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. They openly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Hey, in North Korea, under that cruel dictatorship, there's more persecution of people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But you know the amazing thing? In China, there's a dictatorship that is atheistic, and they, uh, they do openly persecute Christians. But you know the fastest-growing church in the world is in China? Over 165 million believers, all in-house churches, scattered all over that country. And the more they try to suppress them, the more God just absolutely blesses them. And let me just say one thing. It is not popular in America to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's not popular. But man, when you start talking about Jesus, when you start talking about the gospel, when you talk about salvation, you talk about Jesus as the only way, oh, people don't clap their hands and say, hooray, somebody's talking about Jesus. Oh, no. What they'll do, they'll ask you to take your Bible off your desk at work. What they'll do is ask you not to have a track there. They'll ask some of them, might even ask you not to wear a cross around your neck. It is not popular in America to be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the, and the increasing pressure to be silent, the increasing pressure is, is, going, is going to take its toll on the church. And already the church, instead of standing, is beginning to blend in with the culture and not taking a bold stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the word God spoke to me that he wanted me to speak to you is that we're to be unashamed, unashamed, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that, Brother Fred? I'll tell you what. In your office, when they're telling dirty jokes, in their office, when they're making fun of Christians or Christianity, in your office, when they're practicing humanism, I'll tell you what you do. You just have no part of it. And by having no part of it, you know, they're not going to like that. You make them feel uneasy. But when you have no part of that which is ungodly 
in your office where you work or in your classroom, you know what you're saying? I'm not ashamed that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's why I don't participate. You're not being self-righteous. You're not looking down your nose at them. You're making a deliberate choice as a follower of Jesus to be unashamed that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of, I read a story many years ago about a young man who was, lived in the Oregon in the, in the Northwest, and he was going to go be a logger where they cut down the big logs, you know, and shipped them off to the lumber plants and all that kind of stuff. And they warned him, said, now listen, it is going to be extremely difficult on you. Those are rough people, and they're not, they're ungodly people, and it's a lot of wickedness there, and I'm telling you, they really don't like Christians. So you're going to have a hard time. He was gone six months, and he came back, and they said, well, how was it? How did you make it? He said, I didn't have one problem. You didn't. How? How? He said, I didn't tell anybody I was a Christian. I want to ask you, do the people in your office know that you're a Christian? Do the people in your neighborhood know that you're a follower of Christ? Paul said, I know it cost me prison. Three times they beat me with rods. Five times they beat me within one stripe of my life. He said, I'm I spent so much time in prison, but he said, I want to tell you people at Rome, this is where he died, y'all. This is where he was martyred. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me go on and say this. I want to ask you a question. What is the gospel? You know, it's one thing uh, not to be ashamed of something, but you have to ask the question, well, what is the gospel of Christ? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, the Bible tells us exactly what the gospel is without reservation. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 3. All right? Uh, it tells us what it is, what the gospel is, is. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. And it goes on and says, and by which you were saved. He said, I've declared this gospel, that you've received it, and by which you were saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, what was the gospel? This is what he said. For I delivered to you. Now, here's the gospel. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Well, what's the gospel, Paul? That Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He said, here's the gospel. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. Read on. In the next verse it says, and he was buried, and on the third day he rose again and was seen of Cephas and many others. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 15, 1 through 3, uh, that it says that Christ died for our sins. Verse 4 said that he was buried and he rose again from the dead, according to the scriptures, and was seen over 500 different brethren. Now, folks, I'll tell you something. The world needs to hear the gospel of Christ. That is the only thing that a man can be saved through. 
That's the only way a person can be delivered through. And, and so the enemy, the devil, does all he can to camouflage, to confuse, and to misrepresent the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does all he can. And, and, and you say, well, Brother Fred, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's not ashamed of it. You know why? You know what the gospel, the word gospel means? You know what it means? Good news. Isn't that amazing? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, I, you know, we, 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 got the, we got the four gospels. It's the good news according to Matthew. By the way, read it. It's good news. And it's the good news according to Mark. Mark got most of his information from Peter, who was constantly with Jesus, and, and recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Mark. It's the good news of Mark. And by the way, man, what about the good news of John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus. The good news of John, and the good news of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the gospel is good news. Now, you know why it's good news? You've got to understand the gospel. The Bible warns us about other gospels being preached. And I'll show you that scripture in a moment. You know why we've got a, the gospel's good news? Because it's God's only answer to the bad news. You see, there's bad news that affects everyone in this congregation right now. Well, what is the bad news? Well, let's just read it. In Romans chapter 3, I want you to listen to the bad news. And see, the gospel is good news, but this is uh, uh, the bad news that because we need the good news. Here it is. What then? Are we better than they? Talk about other, other sinners. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. When he used Jews and Greeks, he meant everybody. He said, we've already shown you that we're all under sin. And he says, it is written, and this is what our problem is. Look at it. Verse uh, 10, there's none righteous. No, not one. It goes on. There is none who, un there's none who seeks after God. There's none righteous. There's none that who understands. There's, there's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none that do, does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. And then he goes down in verse 23 and says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, and then it goes on and says in the next verse that all this proves that we're all guilty. Now, folks, here's the bad news. Every one of us in this room are sinners. Every one of us in this room have sinned against God, bar none. Some have sinned more than others, 
But how many chains, links in a chain needs to break for the evil to fall? And so the bad news is that we're sinners and that our sin is lawlessness and it separates us from God. It separates us from God. And that's the bad news. Jesus said the soul that sins, it will die. He said, if you don't believe I'm in he, you'll die in your sins. But the gospel is good news. You know why? Here's the first reason. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, folks, listen. There are a lot of things in the gospel. There's a lot of things in the Bible about loving our neighbor and loving each other. There are a lot of things in the Bible about living a holy life and a righteous life. There are a lot of things in the Bible how that God's grace is sufficient for whatever we face and that Jesus promises his children he'll never leave us nor forsake us. All of those are wonderful truths, but they mean nothing unless you start at the beginning. Christ died for our sins. You see, that's where we reconnect with God the Father. It is through the forgiveness of our sin that we who were separated from God are reconnected with God. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself, not charging our trespasses against us. Oh, the good news is this, y'all, that on the cross, Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. When he died in our place, on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin, and we can be set free. And on the cross, one day Jesus will save us from the presence of of sin when we go to be to heaven go to heaven now the gospel is this the person that you know that's lost and they're going to live like lost people that's how lost people live they're sinners by nature and by choice we can't expect lost people to live like saved people but let me tell you what there's good news for them the sin that they have in their life that is separated from god jesus took their sin in his body on the cross and died in their place and now they can be saved and delivered from the penalty of sin and that Jesus will break the power of sin and they don't have to sin anymore and Jesus will deliver them when we get to heaven, glory to God, from the presence of sin. It's called the cross. That's the gospel. You can tell them everything else, but if you don't tell them that the cross is the center figure of the gospel of Christ, where Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin, and now we can be forgiven because Jesus paid it all, and all to him we owe. I love that passage over in 1 Peter 2.24. You know what it says? It says uh, that Jesus bore our sins, 1 Peter 2.24, who himself, now look at this, now put your name in this verse. Who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross, that we having died to sin might live to righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. He bore your sins in his body on the tree. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. The Father took our sin and placed it on Jesus. 
He made him to be sin for us, whom you know sin, that we might may be made the righteousness of God in him. And then my, my, my favorite example of what Jesus did for us on the cross is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. And I want you to look at these words. Now read this, just with your heart. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, of this creation. And listen to the next verse. Not with the blood of goats and calves. Are you listening? Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy of holies in heaven, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling of the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. That was the Old Testament sacrifices, that they would take the ashes and do that. He said, but if that would sanctify the unclean. Now look at this. How much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God without spot, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know the gospel of Christ? Jesus Christ died on that cross. Every one of your sins was placed on him. He took every wicked thing you would ever do, every lie you would ever tell, every curse word you would ever say, every time you ever took his name in vain, every immoral thought you ever received, every immoral act you ever committed. Jesus Christ, all those sins were placed on the Son of God and he bore our sins in his body on that tree and he became sin for us who knew no sin. And I'm telling you, it would, and, and after he, he left that cross, he went into heaven after they took him down and he went into the tomb. He went into heaven. He went into heaven, not with the blood of goats and calves, but he went into the holy of holies in heaven with, the, with his own blood. And you know what he did? He sprinkled the mercy seat in heaven with his own blood. And the mercy seat in heaven this morning is sprinkled with the blood of Christ, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, let me tell you what's awesome. The mercy seat in heaven is sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God sees one of his children, you know how he sees you? He sees you through the mercy seat. He sees you through the blood. When God looks at you, as a child of God, as a, 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 where Christ lives in your heart, he looks through the mercy seat and he sees you washed from every one of your sins and he remembers them no more. Man, that's the gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. It's not a feel-good gospel. It's a hallelujah gospel. And man, you, we don't ever need to get over the fact that he died so I could live. And he lives so I, he can live in me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Christ died for our sins. All right? The second part of the gospel is in um, 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. So, 
There are two sides to the gospel. Christ died for our sins, the cross, but he rose again the third day, the resurrection. And the resurrection put a seal on the cross. You know what it says in Romans verse 5, I believe it is, chapter 1? Declared to be the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. I'm telling you, they nailed him to the cross and the devil said, we've won. And the, and the Pharisees said they've won. But they did not know that the very thing they did was God's way of setting people free and making people be able to be saved. And so he there bore our sins. And they put him in the tomb. And God said, I want to show you, the grave cannot hold him. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And God said, I've accepted his sacrifice. It is perfect and complete. And from now on, he is the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Hey, you know what the gospel is? I hadn't planned on saying this, but I like it. I serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus lives today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. No wonder Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive and he has all power. Now listen to me. He has all, we saw saying about the mighty God, okay? Right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's in a place of power and authority. Power and authority. And there he is seated with all authority and power in heaven and on earth. And we're seated with him because he placed us in himself. And you know what the Bible says about him? I love it. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. I want us to read this. This is what it says about him. He rose from the dead. He's alive. And so everything is in his hand. He began history and he's going to bring it to a close. Look at this verse. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, this is talking about Jesus, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe. Now listen to this. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. For his name is called the Word of God. And then he goes on and says, And the armies of heaven. Boy, this is getting good. Woo! The devil's fixing to get whipped. <laughs> and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he would strike the nations, and he himself will rule over them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. This is it. King of kings and Lord of lords. Woo! 
Hallelujah. The gospel is Christ died for our sins. The Father raised him from the dead. He is in a place of all power and authority right now. And one day he's going to come back and the enemies of God will be wiped out and Jesus will reign on earth for a thousand years and God's victory will be established. Listen, but you know the thing about his resurrection is that uh, he can live in you. That's it. You see, the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. See, the blessing to me about the resurrection is that he has all power in heaven and earth, and it began with him. He's going to wind it up one day. But the blessing to me is that Christ comes to live in me, and he comes to live in you. Galatians 2.20 is not just a nice verse. It's a reality. I've been crucified with Christ. I died with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ, by the Holy Spirit, lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I don't live it in my power. I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, I got up this morning, and I'm telling you, this is the house I live in right here. And thank God it's functioning right now. Mind, emotions, and will, and heart's pumping. Glory to God. But that's not the most important thing. In my spirit is the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And so Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit. It's Christ in us. And so we go out to face this world, all of its temptations, all of its trials. We face the world, the flesh, and the devil, not in our own power or not in our own faith. We face it in the power and the faith of Christ who lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Christ died for our sins and he rose again the third day. That's the gospel. The crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and what it means to us. And by the way, the Bible warns us that there's going to be another gospel and that we don't need to listen to it. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, I want you to see these verses six through nine, he said, uh, there's going to be another gospel out there. Don't you even listen to it and let it be a curse. Look at what he says. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him who called you in the grace of Christ. You've moved to a different gospel. And he goes on and says, which is not another. There's no other gospel that's true. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to pervert it. They want to change it. It's not the gospel in the New Testament. They pervert the gospel of Christ. But now look what he warns you. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which we've preached to you, let him be accursed. You say, Brother Fred, he preaches another gospel. I'm going to welcome him into my house. Don't you do it. You don't do that. Let him be accursed. He warned us about the other gospel. 
And so let me tell you something. There's another gospel, and it doesn't talk about man's sin, and doesn't talk about the tragedy of man's sin, and that Jesus Christ... Blood is the only sufficient thing for our sin. It doesn't talk about a living Christ who comes to live in us and he enables us to live a holy life and a righteous life and we become his followers. And Christianity is not from 1030 to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. Christianity is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Jesus Christ living in us. We're thanking him that our sins are gone and we're praising him that he lives to live in us. And we are Christians not one day a week, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we will not listen to another gospel. And there's plenty of it out there. You look and see when you listen, you see if you hear him talking about the sinfulness of man and the blood of Christ. And you listen if they talking about a risen living Christ who has all power to help them to live a holy life and they don't have to sin. You listen for the gospel. For there is another gospel. But you know, uh, I'm going conclude, to conclude by saying this. I'm not ashamed, unashamed, Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. You know, Jesus said that in the, in the Gospel of Luke. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you. Luke chapter 9. But um, it tells us that the, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. And I'm, I just want to just stay right here just a minute and talk to you about the power of God. Because you could spend all forever on this. But listen, the gospel of Christ is powerful. Let me tell you what it is. You know what it is? And, and this is right. This is exactly right. You know what it is? You know what the power of the gospel is? Luke 4.18 you, when the people ask you what church do you go to, God just opened the door for you to witness. Lord, have mercy. Oh, you know what that is? Luke 4.18 is the ministry of Jesus. He came to save people, preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. He came to give sight to the blind. And he came to lift up the downtrodden. You see, the power of the gospel is that Jesus saves people. The power of the gospel is that Jesus heals people. The power of the gospel is that Jesus delivers people. And the power of the gospel is that he heals people physically and spiritually and gives them spiritual sight. He gives sight to the blind. And the power of the gospel is that Jesus can take a man or woman who is in the pit and are discouraged and don't have hope and he can lift them out and give them a new life and give them hope. What is the power of the gospel? Luke 4.18. And when Jesus is present, that's what happens. Oh, if Jesus is present, people get saved. They get healed. They get delivered. They get lifted up. Man, Hebrews 13a, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, this is the last thing. Man, I'm getting through early. Praise God. 
And I just, you know, I just, uh, I'm through. Here it is. The, I'm not ashamed, unashamed, of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to everyone who believes. It is inclusive. The gospel of Christ is inclusive. It is the power of God to everyone who believes. You know, we used to sing this song in, in, in Sunday school. I love it. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Can I just change that? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the people in this world. It is the power of God to everyone. It's inclusive. It is inclusive. I'm just going to give you three verses that shows you how inclusive the gospel is, how it includes. And you can say to any person anywhere, God loves you and Jesus Christ died for you and he will come to live in you and take your sins away. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Verse John, first two, chapter three. I said one and two, but it's the first threes that I want us to look at. First John, chapter two, verse three. And he is talking about Jesus. Now get, stay with me. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He's a propitiation for our sins and for the sins of of the whole world. Let me give you another verse. 1 Peter 2.4. I want you to listen to what this says. This is a great, great verse. 1 Peter 2.4. It talks about, I'll look it up. I know what it is. It says, he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the two truth. 1 Peter 2.4. It says, um, here it is. I'm trying to find it. I'm going to get there. It's not, uh, that's not it. I gave him the wrong verse. I'm going to tell you about that verse. It's in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you why I missed it. It's 1 Timothy 2.4. Chuck, turn back over there. Because I need to read this. I mean, it's that important. You say, well, Brother Fred, sometimes you mess up, don't you? Have you ever noticed every now and then Brother Ed will mess up and start over again? Nobody says anything about that. <laughs> so it's all right for me to mess up and start over again. He forgot the first words of one of the songs this morning. So don't get to picking on me. First Timothy, I think it's First Timothy 2.4. Hallelujah. There it is. <laughs> Glory to God. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior? Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The gospel is inclusive. It is the power of God to everyone who believes. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is inclusive. Jesus died for all people, and he, and he desires them to be saved. He knows some won't be saved, but that does not change his desire. And there's one other one, and I pray I've got this verse right. I'm going to turn over before I tell you what it is. Let's see. Let me see. You know, I have thoroughly messed this. No, it's 2 Peter 3.8. Okay, I've got it. If this ain't it, I quit. All right, here it is. All right, I'm talking about the, the gospel of Christ is inclusive. It says, verse 8 says, For beloved, do not forget this. One thing that the one, one day with the Lord, for one th do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years as a day. You see, God doesn't know time like we know it. He said, with God, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. He said, God's eternal. Time is not the same to him. But then he said, the Lord, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some take slackness, but his long-suffering to us, are you ready? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what you can say to any man? Anyone? God loves you. He loves you so much that he took all the filth and wickedness of your sin and placed it on his son, Jesus. And Jesus Christ died, and every one of your sins were placed on him. And if you repent of your sins and come to Christ, he will save you, he will forgive you, he will change you, he will cancel the penalty of sin, he will break the power of sin in your life, and he will one day deliver you from the presence of sin when you get to heaven. You see, the gospel is good news. And we have got to be unashamed. I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ. The cross, the resurrection, the power of God, and it's inclusive. It's inclusive. And we're not to listen to any other gospel.